Hello and welcome to Get Object. This is a podcast about things in games. I'm Rosie. I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul. Hello. And today we our topic is home. So we will be laying out the welcome mat in just a second, but first some chat. Paul, it's been a little while. How are you? What have you been playing? Uh, yeah, good, thank you. Um, I've played, even though it's been a long time, I've played very little. Um, oh, wonderful. I've, I've, probably, I've probably played for like two hours since we last spoke. Oh my goodness, I, it's been like yeah. a month. Yeah, I know. That's partly because I spent so much time learning to edit videos. Obviously, I, I put a, a video up on our YouTube channel, if you haven't seen it, um, about the heart in Dishonored. Um, it's very good. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I made another one for my for my other podcast. But yeah, I I was spending like all my free time doing that. Um, that's how committed I am, listeners, to the cause. So I I've <laughs> yeah just yeah had no time to play really. The 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 little things I have played, I've played a little bit of um, Carrion. Right. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've seen Limmy playing that one on his uh, Twitch stream. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of a, a a reverse horror game, I guess, yeah. where you're like um a alien some kind of alien little beast that breaks out in a lab and you eat people and grow and get new abilities and yeah, you use your tentacles to crawl all over the place. Um I ha- yeah, didn't play much of it, but it seems quite fun and satisfying from the from the little I've played of it. Mm. Uh, and then I also played a bit of Hypnospace Outlaw, which uh, I don't know don't if you've Don't know remember. that one. Nope. Well, you, well, you do because we've talked about it before. Oh, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the one that's like um, kind of like a, a simulation of like the 90s internet. Like it's like a, a point and click game. It's like a, a, oh, a yeah? desktop and, and it's all like, you know, geocity style like mm. rubbishy websites and stuff um yeah that was came up on games pass um and i thought oh i've been wanting to play that so played a bit of that um i actually streamed a bit of it yesterday i mean I, I apologize to it apologies to anyone that dropped on that in on that stream i was so tired like i couldn't um i kept like forgetting what i was doing <laughs> like, right nice um, i could barely like comprehend what was supposed to be going on so i'm not sure that was um particularly entertaining but uh yeah um i'll probably play a bit more more of that i think i want to get some more time uh what about you um i have i've I've actually played loads of games so um i won't um i won't sort of bore you with all of them um ones that stood out um i got a new laptop which can actually like handle a video game now (laughs) My mm-hmm. my previous laptop was absolutely dreadful. Um, so I um played um, so m- me and my boyfriend Dave both have laptops that can play video games now, which is amazing. So we can play games mm-hmm. together. Um, on PC we played We Were Here, which is a um puzzle game. Um, that you have to play two-player um, with with two computers. You can play it um, sort of over the internet or local network. Mm. And um, you are two Arctic explorers who wake up lost and separated in a creepy castle and have to describe puzzles to one another in order to progress. It's, oh, okay. it's a lot like, you know how previously um, we got good 
good engagement for mentioning uh, the very true fact that Dark Souls is like nightmare uh, mm. kids TV program from UK in the 90s. Yeah. Well, uh, to continue in that theme, it's like the Crystal Maze. Um, you kind of, it's like you shouting to your partner, like, I'm, okay, I'm in a room. There's a green eye on the wall. And yeah. like, you know, the other person trying to figure out how that corresponds with clues in the room that they're in. Um, lots and lots of fun. That Quite, sounds great. It really, it really was a really nice evening. It was about mm. two hours. Um, it's free on Steam. Um, there are a couple of sequels that you pay for, but um, but the first game, as I say, that's a very good time. Quite creepy. Um, yeah, lots of fun. Um, so I would recommend We Were Here, and then also Hot Off the Presses released at five p.m. yesterday uh, oh. on the first of September. Uh, Crusader Kings three. Um, I don't know if you know the Crusader Kings series, Paul. Uh, not not really. I I'm sh once you start explaining it, I think I recognise yeah. the name. It's a it's a medieval um, dynasty simulator. Um, so you play um, a member of a of some kind of lord within the feudal system in medieval um, Europe, Asia, North Africa, I believe. Um, and um, you kind of can do all sorts of fun skullduggery, wage wars, gain influence, etc. Set up marriages, all of this very fun stuff. Um, and then when your character dies, you kind of are the next in your line of succession. So you're just kind of trying to increase the prestige, the influence of your house um, through through medieval, um, through the Middle Ages. It's loads and loads of fun. Um, I played for long enough yesterday. I think I think it's a very, very complex series. Um, mm. The previous game, Crusader Kings 2, I played for, I think, about 20 hours and I really didn't feel like I was scratching the surface. Okay. Um, but but this one, I, I, my feeling is it's it's a little bit more accessible. Um, I definitely felt like I was getting to grips with it much more quickly. Um, played for long enough to be horrified by my own actions last night. Um, I think after about, I got to the three hour mark and I just sort of... <laughs> waged really like dodgy wars on all of my neighbors stolen all their land um there was one lord who was obviously like trying to resist and set up alliances and stuff and it just i just murdered him and everyone hates me now basically okay. i'm an absolute tyrant bastard okay. um but yeah it's lots and lots of fun and i look forward to getting back to that so um yes yeah, so that's that cool uh very good i get um I guess we should briefly mention as well. You you did you you have been playing a bit of uh Edith of what remains of Edith Finch. So oh, yeah. yeah, for um that's gonna be well we we put the first episode up a while ago, didn't we, for the game club on the Patreon. The next one uh we've already recorded, so we'll put it out like in a week or something like that. So mm, if you wanna mm. find out what Rosie thought of that, then uh yeah, go to patreon.com slash get object. Also on there, um, I mean, you, you you may all be already be seeing this now, uh, listeners, but we are also recording this um, as a video. Yeah. Um, this is well, assuming assuming this comes out okay, you'll yes. be able to watch this. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to put that up on the Patreon as well. If you'd uh, for some reason prefer to see us rather than just uh, hear us, um, yeah. Is Hence that... why I I am currently located in a. 
Adam Jensen's apartment from Deus Ex. And yes. Where are you sat there, Ruth? Um, I'm, I'm calling in from uh, Balmora. This is Balmora calling um, <laughs> uh, in, in Morrowind. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's there as well if you if you uh, want to wanna see us. Um, okay. we've As it's been a while, I mean, we've got a little bit of uh, feedback to get through here. We do. Yeah. Um, I think you were going to kick us off, right, Rosie? I was going to kick us off. We had such a lovely email from Stella. Um, Stella, thank you so, so much for getting in touch. Um, uh, I think it was ages ago. It was um, episode, oh, she's even very helpfully put, episode seven on food. Um, We mentioned at the beginning that it would be really nice to hear from any ladies who were uh, listening. Um, Just because, you know, you always wonder. I think women are much less likely to email into podcasts um but uh, and that's certainly been my experience and um but yes Stella did get in touch she uh sent a really really nice email just to say hello shout out I'm here um and um she also had a suggestion for us um she has suggested for a theme coming up that we could do let me get to the bit in her email I've been thinking recently about the objects that surround games in real life and there might be something to talk about when it comes to different consoles and how far people go to defend PC or Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. Also talking about objects and VR could be interesting, but maybe that's too meta. I don't think it is, Stella. We've been thinking ourselves, you know, that it would be good to try and get into some kind of hardware at some point and we both absolutely love the suggestion on consoles so much that we are going to do it next time i think aren't we paul yeah yeah Yeah. so thank you thank you so much for getting in touch yeah um we also got an email from uh, emmett who said really enjoyed the discussion on language um side note well they said uh, the Last of Us conversation put me in mind of Pontypool, a zombie film where the virus is language. I think they meant uh, Metal Gear Solid because we were talking about the language virus. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, another example I thought of was the Dragon Age series. This is your territory, not mine. Nice, uh, yeah. But in particular, how it uses real world languages in a fantasy world completely removed from our own. Uh, when the player encounters when the player encounters characters from the nation of Orlais? Orlay. Orlay. Oh, oh, yes, this makes sense now. They speak English with a French accent. The recruitable companion, uh, Liliana, is is voiced by Corinne Kemper, a French actor. So perhaps this is similar to Game of Thrones in how the Starks all inherit Sean Bean's accent. Um, So, yeah... uh, other audience characters encounters also have French accent, but then the player visits Orlais in Dragon Age Inquisition and French itself is used. In Dragon Age, French to, appears to be a stand-in for a foreign language or to indicate foreignness. Yeah. The land of Ferelden, the setting for the first game, by contrast, seems broadly anglicised. Further north on the world map, the uh, Teventar Imperium yeah, appears Tevinto, to speak yeah. Latin. Yeah, and this is and this is indicative of an imperial character, an ancient civilization synonymous in the player's mind with perhaps the Holy Roman Empire. Um, the game creators appear to be using European language to convey a sense of familiarity as a form of linguistic shorthand for difference. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a yeah quite a nice uh, addition to our language conversation. So thanks for that, Emmett. Lovely examples, yeah. 
Um, oh, sorry. Yep, I'm next. <laughs> I was just looking through our <laughs> feedback document. Hello. Yes, we've heard from Christopher McRae. Um, thank you very much for getting in touch, Christopher. I'm so glad that you we've uh, been nice company for you during quarantine. Um, and uh, he has some suggestions. Um, number one, save point items. They're not all the same objects, so maybe this counts more as a mechanic. But he likes when they are objects within the game world. Obvious things like phones and deadly premonition or Parasite Eve or typewriters in Resident Evil. Uh, his favourite is the creepy as heck red squares in Silent Hill 2. Uh, I very much like save points and save point items as a suggestion. Um, I guess uh, something that comes to mind for me is like bonfires and stuff like that, which I wasn't quite sure how we would do uh, in Dark mm. Souls. So yeah, yeah, so that's brilliant. We'll get to that. Yeah, it's um, on the spreadsheet now. It's in the spreadsheet. There we go. Um, perhaps even less conventional, he suggests, but maybe objects that exist as physical items outside the game. So similar kind of um, territory to Stella. Um, I don't know many examples, but the CD case in Metal Gear Solid is one of my favourite things. There are some great area examples like the reset button on the actual console to reset something. In, um, in X-Men for Sega Genesis, Mega Drive for, your, for you Brits... <laughs> If I recall yeah. correctly. Uh, yes. Um, so there we go. Hardware as well. Uh, circling back around to that suggestion. At some point, we're going to have to actually enter the physical material realm. Um, and as I say, we're, we're going to start looking with start that looking with uh, consoles next time. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, we heard from uh, Andreas Klesti, who said, um, hard to resist shoehorning your old favorites into any old theme. But I Homeworld yeah, that's what I replied to him and said, that's basically what we do uh, every episode. Um, but Homeworld is a game about going home, Exodus style. It's also a space opera where essentially all characters are spaceships. Uh, it's also from the era where games shipped with a physical 100-page book of backstory. Um, yeah, I used to enjoy that. Love that. Yeah, huge respect for that. Um, uh, I also like the ga- the idea of characters that are ships. That's like Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fabulous. Thomas the Tank Engine in space. I'm there. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay. And then um, a uh, tweet from lovely Jeff Spender. Hello, Jeff. Um, our talk of magic reminded him that in fantasy RPGs, the effect that prevent the casting of spells is often called silence. A carryover from D&D, I believe, but it really underlines the intertwining of magic and language. Uh, yep, silence is... I think silence is in, in like, kind of Icewind Dale and um, those kinds of games. I can't remember. Is it the Infinity Engine? Uh, those kinds of RPGs that are very... Clearly have their roots in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, mm. Yeah, really good spell, really helpful. Um, and he also likes when you visit China in Deus Ex Human Revolution, you hear people speaking Mandarin on the, in the street, but it's subtitled in English, like other dialogue. Neat way of showing that it's a foreign language that your character can understand like a real secret agent. Very Indeed. cool. Yeah. Very nice. Um, we ha- also had uh, comments on the Patreon from Eli Bergmas. Um the Gostak and For a Change are both text adventures that lean into language by inventing a new vocabulary you need to learn to interact with the world and progress, uh, and in more extreme cases, to understand what's going on. There are also numerous examples of pastiche that ape the writing style of particular authors or genres. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard of those games, so uh, they sound very cool. I had a little uh, go on the Gostak after his oh, recommendation. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the Gostak. Um, yeah, I... I I played for about 
30 minutes and got absolutely no- nowhere. It was okay. like, you can't vorpal that Gostak. <laughs> stuff like that so you're like trying to like piece together i think it would probably be really satisfying once you got like super stuck in um yeah yeah um i'd also say uh maybe should should left this one till later but but we'll, we'll do it now uh eli's got a, a suggestion for home uh as well uh so you um he said i think one of the best games uh, in dialogue with the idea is anatomy by kitty horror show it's an excellent short short haunted house game about exploring a home looking for audio tapes discussing comparisons between houses and human bodies um it appeared to be uh, i looked it up and it appeared to be very very well received again there's lots of lots of um interesting looking reviews of it about the idea of kind of you know turning the familiar idea of home into something threatening and all this stuff so it does sound very relevant to our conversation but but any as anyone who knows who, who's been listening for a while, I'm not going to play a horror game like that. Right. Uh, but it, it does uh, does look good. That uh, sounds great. Sure. I'm, I might get stuck into that. That sounds really interesting. Cool. Okay. So that's our feedback. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can email us on getobjectpod at gmail dot com, or you can tweet us at getobjectpod. Um, pretty sure that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds right. So let's get on to today's subject then. Home. Yes. Home. Um, home. I mean, we've all got to grips with home a little bit more in 2020, I think. Many of us have been spending plenty of time at home. Mm. Um, it's I, I kind of like it as a theme because obviously there's lots of houses and games, but the houses that are kind of yours, I guess. Mm. Um, wait, yeah. wait, here's, a, here's a question for you um yeah. if i what is your home is your home your flat is your home brighton is your home where you grew up oh that's a really good question actually isn't it um i think my home is it's a little bit it's probably not i probably don't think of my flat i probably think of brighton uh-huh. Um, but also simultaneously the place where I grew up. Um, and I noticed that actually the other day, my mum was down, we were having, um, just having a meal somewhere. And, um, and I was like, and I remember saying, oh, so how are things, how's the weather at home? And then I was like, no, that's not home. Wait a second. I don't live there anymore. But, but yeah, it's that kind of weird splitting where the place where you grew up is always also home, if you know what I mean. I, I think almost everyone thinks of the place they grew up as yeah. home in some fashion mm. um yeah so maybe oh yeah maybe that's something we'll get more stuck into later i don't know um, yeah but yeah that's a yeah, just a question that came to my mind when i was thinking about it um yeah it's nice how how's home for you because you actually live in a different country to you grew up in as well i don't know whether that kind of changes changes the equation yeah um I guess it's it's uh, yeah. I guess it can be harder to f- feel at home, right? And to a degree, at first, just f- for things like yeah, because because if we think of yeah, feeling at home, that's mm. something different to your home where you live, isn't it? It's like a certain sense of like f- familiarity or something like that. But just yeah. like stuff like not being able to. Like getting a letter from the bank or something, you don't understand it, right? And or maybe you understand that you're supposed to do something, but you don't yeah. really. So just not being able to do like basic things, um, 
I suppose can have an impact. Uh, that makes sense. But I've oh, I've always felt fairly at home here. I think I don't know. Right. So yeah, but uh, I mean, so on that right, what I was just saying. So yeah. so when we think of home, so this is a place that at least in in its ideal form may not be that case for everybody unfortunately but as a kind of archetypal concept of home it's a place where you should feel safe and comfortable right yes. yeah so i think games use homes like this uh in a like as a place where we can relax like where we don't feel particularly in games that have some kind of uh like combat or something like that like you know that you're safe in that place it's, it's partly like a pacing thing, uh, potentially. Like you can have these these down downtimes, but yeah, it's a place where you can like do some upgrading or or whatever like that, and you know that nobody's going to come and hit you in the back of the head, or you know, so that it kind of releases that tension. Um, I, I I was actually tr- tr- struggling to think of a lot of examples where you have a home in games. I don't know if that's uh, just my bad memory. Um, I mean, I thought of like the dreadful whale in Dishonored Two. Yeah, which is, yeah. again, it's like that's not even that's like a kind of temporary home. It's like that's, a, a that's a, a ship, isn't it? It is or a, a ship, boat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Normandy from Mass Effect is again a ship. It's yes. like not really. So it is a home, and it, but yeah. Um, Adam Jensen's apartment from Deus Ex, where I'm currently situated. Shemu, <laughs> uh, the home from Shemu. So I don't, I don't know. There's a few, but. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of homes in games necessarily. I think it depends. I mean, it's, we might come back to the Normandy and the Dreadful Well because I have mm-hmm. ideas about them. But but okay. the, that first idea you have about that sense of security um, was exactly where I started as well. And shelter. Um, the first example, I've just kind of thought of three examples of, of sort of specific homes that sprung to mind this week and the first example i came up with was your home in minecraft have you played much minecraft uh not a lot but i've played some yeah right because i've played an absolute shitload of minecraft like it's really embarrassing how much of what is you know to many purposes a children's game um i have played um but um but yeah that the really genius thing i think with minecraft the way that it kind of grips you straight away is that you kind of wake up um you're you're probably kind of on your own a lot of the time you might be with mates um but you wake up in um some kind of nature you know some kind of environment natural environment so you might be on a coast you might be in some mountains you might be in the desert but the uh, there is a day-night cycle where you wake up in the morning, but night is coming. And then when night comes, you need to be inside somewhere because mm. otherwise you'll get killed by monsters. And, um, and so you have to build a home straight away. And that kind of immediate thrust and drive to just kind of dig in somewhere uh, really kind of... You know, the fact that you need shelter and this is like right on the base of, you know, the the kind of hierarchy of needs that we would think of. Um, it is the first thing that you need in Minecraft and it kind of creates this very um, embodied feeling world. Um, and uh, and yeah, exactly that you were saying, you know, somewhere where you know that you can kind of upgrade and relax and you're not going to have like skeletons and creepers coming to blow you up. Um, so yeah, so yeah, the first, the first one I thought of was, was exactly that, that home in Minecraft that you always make, 
um, when you kind of first get started. Just because you mentioned the hierarchy of needs there, yes. um, <laughs> we had uh, I again as always I went to the um, range touch and no cartridge discords to ask for suggestions, mm. and uh, they were very generous as always. Um, Slash Epoch uh, talked about survival games like Minecraft, mm. uh, The Forest, and so on, um, and they said uh, so much of those games are tied up in gathering resources to make a place to live, but then there's always a point where you look around at your cobbled together sprawl of workbenches, sleeping areas, chests and crafting stations and go, no, this is unacceptable. I'm going to clean this up and you start creating a home. Exactly that. Yes. I mean, so often I think I'm, I, it sounds like Sasha Epoch does exactly the same thing as me, is that you start off and you just dig yourself into a hill somewhere because, you know, you just have to get a door between mm. you and the skeletons. And then, um, yeah, you get to a point where you're like this, this place I've dug out of a hill is ugly. I have a bit more time now. I have a few more resources. I'm going to make it pretty. And it, and yeah, you, you make a home out of it. Uh, wonderful example. Yeah. Yeah, they said, uh, I know Maslow's hierarchy of needs has been at least a little debunked, but this move from survival mechanics to nest building, physiological needs to psychological self-fulfillment always gets me because it sneaks up on me every time. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah, so there for... we go. But um, yeah, on the, the kind of thing of like, um, yeah, uh, this uh, this idea of like, yeah, safety and yeah. like it being a, a, a kind of place where you're familiar. Um, I was thinking that actually a lot of uh it's an object that's often more about capturing like a, f- a feeling rather mm. than like the 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 the, ob- the dimensions of the object itself so when, when i was thinking of like homes um i was there was, and, and i was thinking of this idea of a place where you feel like safe and relaxed i, was, yeah. I thought of for example uh firelink shrine in yes. dark souls uh or like your office in prey um which are not technically speaking homes but they have a certain familiarity about them they're a place you keep returning to they're a place you feel safe um so yeah i think that yeah it's interesting that those came to mind and it kind of shows that home is kind of perhaps a bit more like you said maybe your home's brighton which is like a more yeah, it's a broader thing it's Absolutely. not just like a, a, this yeah, very specific object well you know um, what there's a really nice um other example i thought of that kind of encompasses both of those things which is um uh papo and yo um mm-hmm. which is a game that came out in 2012 by minority media um and it kind of under you know, that idea we have of home as safety and stuff like that, um, as you've already kind of alluded to, obviously not the case for everyone. And if you're mm. living, you know, people can be living in very dangerous and difficult home situations. And Papo and Yo um, sort of shows the story of a little boy who is living in a home, um, obviously with a parent. A fa- his father is abusive and, and I think a drunk um Mm. it starts with a quote to my mother brothers and sisters with whom i survived the monster in my father uh that's a quote from van der caballero who is i think the game's director and you start off with this little boy kind of crouched down in 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 a what looks like an airing cupboard or something um probably in, in his house and it's very sort of dark and black and white and and he's obviously hiding um from this sort of stomping presence um that's going past the door and um and then kind of by some kind of magical turn, he escapes from the cupboard and he's out in um, the uh, favela because that's that's where it's based. It's in a favela in uh, in Brazil. 
Mm. And the kind of contrast between this kind of scary, dark, um, threatening environment where you start and then suddenly you're out in the kind of sunlight freedom of the streets, which is clearly what he feels to be feels like more of a home for him mm. um and it's really really nice it's quite an upsetting game i found it quite um yeah quite moving and sad to play papo and yo but it's it's a lot of fun it's very very beautiful mm. yeah um oh also uh i don't know um andy mentioned medulla in dark souls 2 oh, uh, as the only place that works uh for them as an on an emotion level as a home location is that like firelink shrine or something yeah it is it is it's got um nicer music than firelink shrine i think okay um, but yeah but no medulla's lovely really nice okay yeah um i suppose a- another thing that i already mentioned was uh the nostalgia thing oh yeah so yeah like i said i think it's uh home is is intimately connected to nostalgia for most people probably um and that can be evoked in games um i wrote an article recently about nostalgia where i interviewed uh a psychologist who pointed out that it's possible to feel nostalgia for something you've never experienced Mm. um it's kind of well established um so yeah games can like cultivate a sense of nostalgia for home even if it doesn't relate to your personal experience um i mean i mentioned this a, a bit in our towns episode i mentioned uh, aniba from persona 4 right. um but just kind of zeroing in on that the um dojima family home which is where you 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 come into the town and i think it's maybe i can't remember if it's your uncle or something like that i don't know or maybe it's just a family who's hosting you but you're you're kind of welcomed into this home and yeah that kind of starts to evoke of some of those feelings for home you know you know what i mean even though it's a completely different um you know this is a japanese home where they sit cross-legged around the table which is nothing yeah. to do with like my own experience of, of home but nevertheless managed to do that uh we actually got a comment uh on the persona games from kyron who said it also said yeah the persona games have a good sense of home it always starts as an unfamiliar place to your character and becomes home over the course of the game by virtue of the structure of those games you you always end the day back at home usually eating with your new family uh, and the repetition builds up the bond with home um, which is deployed really well towards the end of four when uh, nanako gets kidnapped uh, so yeah spoilers for <laughs> very old game there <laughs> but yeah uh yeah i think that's true like persona yeah that structure of having you always yeah end your day at home and really helps to build that feeling i think yeah they do it in persona 5 as well i didn't realize that was a repeating thing in the series but yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, you go back to like the coffee shop where you live and stuff and it's really like you end up feeling like you can like smell the coffee and the curry um in in that particular like place and i think also it it comes up a lot like the they're doing it on purpose aren't they as you say like um the idea Mm. of comforting i remember there's a bit where you like you eat a curry with a friend and your friend's going on about how the complex comforting flavors always like make him feel at home or something like that um yeah so it's clearly like a texture that the persona games are really interested in this kind of comfort nostalgia home yeah, yeah, and you're always like an outsider at the beginning right. of the game, yeah, like coming yeah, yeah. in, and you're always like, you're always like, yeah, building these 
relationships or kind of um like having being accepted like into a family in some way so and yeah and so I guess it's it's interesting the way that games can actually do that through building repetition and your own as you say like the structure of it your own actions sort of the way that you save the game at the end of the day every day by going home uh it reminds me a little bit of like a soap opera or something um which also like through repetition builds a Mm. sense of this place that you feel some kind of like Albert Square and EastEnders or um, Ramsey Street, particularly for me in Neighbours, you know, this kind of repetition of visiting, uh, the kind of regular rhythms of it, the way it sort of builds into your life, um, I guess, sort of leads it to be a place that you do feel, I feel quite nostalgic about Ramsey Street and I've never been there. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess that's a way that you can do it in games. Sure. Um one that we we talked about this a little bit on the um Edith Finch episode, but mm. I wanted to bring it up here because I think uh which is the idea of like how homes as the extent to which they're like an expression of a person or yeah. their psyche in yeah. some way. Uh I mean, do you think homes can tell us a lot about a person? Like, yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, absolutely loads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always interested to know um, what people's houses look like and stuff like that. It's always fun when you're sort of getting to know people and you see like, if you like go around to their house for the first time, it's always like, oh yeah, this makes loads of sense. Actually, of course your house is like this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah no absolutely it's really nice I mean I think it's a nice way of um but obviously they use it in games loads because yeah it's like where you get a rounded sense of a person I guess mm. well you can see in my apartment here Adam got, Jensen's like, apartment I think yeah. I've got some boxes unpacked yeah. um there's a I don't think you can see them because of my head but there's a bunch of like guns and other paraphernalia on the table in front of the sofa nice uh I think his mirror's broken in his bathroom. So you kind of, you just go in there and like, you just get the sense of he's not. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some like messiness. There's some kind of emotional messiness going on. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can tell that something, and I think in the story, I think he's split up from his girlfriend or divorced or Mm, something like that. mm. Um, And yeah, it's not, it's not like you can, yeah, you can tell he, it's not like he's a messy person. It's no. not like it's messy in that way. It's the like you way I described it, like an emotional messiness. Like he, he's not like he's. You can clearly tell he's kind of been enveloped himself in his work, and he's not taking the time to make this into a home. It's like more mm. functional space for him. So yeah, you you get a sense of like where he's at in his life. And what kind of person he is from just walking around uh, in his apartment, for sure. Uh, Um, Yeah, I mean, the broken mirror, I just think is brilliant. Yeah, it just sort of suggests a kind of lack of integration or something. Um, Yeah, it's really, really clever. I I really distinctly remember that uh, just from playing the first bit of Dare Tech. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Edith Finch house. Um, yeah, we've accidentally kind of done a home themed run here because we yes. did the, which this was not deliberate at all, but we did Gone Home video that went up on the Patreon like last week or something. Um, we've got Edith Finch, which is obviously based in the home. But yeah, anyway, the Edith Finch house, um, as we said in the episode, it's kind of almost borders on like fantasy. It's yeah. like this big towering structure. Um, yeah, each room is like 
a sh- uh, like a shrine to the person that lived there and yeah it's like a yes i said to me it's like a the whole house is like a, a, a manifestation of like a psyche or something it's like a psychological space like each each room is 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 like a person's psyche um like the yeah the way it it kind of towers up it just feels yeah um it's such a powerful example of a home um i looked up also what i mentioned to you in that episode about carl Jung having oh, yeah. this place yeah so carl Jung, the um uh who uh, analytical psychology is that his thing that psychoanalytical no so it? yeah psychoanalysis oh, freud psychoanalysis. Analysis, psychology okay. i think right yeah some of yeah. that whatever uh he had a place called bollingen tower um and there was a thing for him where he he said like pa- paper and ink did not seem a real enough way to represent his discoveries so he purchased this this land uh on lake zurich to uh, create a representation in stone of his innermost thoughts uh he added a second according to wikipedia um, he added a second story in 1927 uh um no sorry yeah 1927 added uh, there's two dates here. I can't which, I work out which is right, but whatever. He added okay. the story um, as an as a signifying an extension of consciousness achieved in old age. <laughs> so yeah, he he kind of had this building that was meant to be like an expression of his um, psychological landscape and like his psychological growth in some way, um, which is very uh, it's I mean eccentric it's... but c- cool. And yeah, it just it just reminded me of the Edith Finch house. Uh, so much like that's kind of what it felt like to me it's so interesting though isn't it that Jung hit on something back whatever the date was that um that uh then becomes at some point lots of people who make video games decide as well that this is a very good way of exploring the psyche you know and I I think you know everyone is correct here It, it absolutely does feel um yeah, feel like a way of exploring psychology um, that is uh, that is like really grounded and graspable, I guess, um, and and you know a way of yeah a way of of grounding it in in the world so you can actually walk around in it and maybe get some distance and stuff. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. I was thinking about um, psychology. I mean, this is why I was coming back to. Um, the Normandy in Mass Effect okay, okay. and and the Dreadful Whale actually mm-hmm. uh, these were both examples of ones I had exactly the same point you know but in games where the psychology of a character where you're playing a character who pre-exists right not someone who you've just kind of made up um not like in Minecraft or, or you know Skyrim or whatever um but but someone who's supposed to be a real living person in the world um the home provides some insight into as you say like the emotional state as with adam jensen and his sad kind of broken mirror um or um you know what what sort of day-to-day life looks like for them how they take care of themselves how they don't how they prioritize their time um so yeah so i absolutely did have oh sorry um yeah, the the Normandy and Mass Effect, the spaceship where you hang out with your um, alien mates, decide which of them you're going to bang, um, have lovely space adventures. A really nice sense of camaraderie in the Normandy, and it very much does feel like home within that game. But also, you're playing the character of Commander Shepard, and you can read Shepard's emails. You can look at the kind of knickknacks that she accumulates as she's making her way around the galaxy. Um, and all of this kind of... I guess it's supposed to lend some shades of meaning to the kind of story beats in the game. 
Um, and, and I think it does a really good job. Um, likewise with Megan Foster and her boat, The, the Dreadful Whale, uh, in which you see, I think, the Dreadful Well is quite um, is a space in which you see more of Megan Foster's emotional life. Um, she's an assassin, um, presumably the kind of thoughts and feelings she might be having about her assassinations and, and the, the the work she is doing in the world is is kind of part of the Dishonored series. You're meant to be reflecting on you know the sad sorry. assassins. <laughs> sorry, is Megan Foster? Is, we talk, is that the 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 um, like standalone one? Or? Uh, that's sorry that's dishonored death of the outsider yeah uh, okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, is, yeah. It, is, is the dreadful well the dreadful well is in dishonored 2 as well it, isn't it? is actually oh, okay, okay, yeah okay, okay. and your yeah. character yeah your character in that um kind of hangs out there as well i'm not sure whether is it yes it is like home base in that one as well isn't it yeah um yeah in so. death of the outsider you're playing you're playing megan who's actually the captain of the ship um so so yeah so you're there quite a lot of the time um and the other example i had Lara Croft has Croft Manor or whatever it's called. Some ridiculous, you know, big stately home because she's super posh. Um, and, um, and you know, I played um, the most recent um, Tomb Raider game quite recently, uh, mm-hmm. which was um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Or so. It's got one of those like ridiculous like movie titles. Yeah. Like. Um, but um, I actually, I, I quite enjoyed it. I had lots of feelings about it. Maybe I'll get into it at some point. But um, yeah, the, there's, bits where you go back to like Lara's childhood and you're running around like this huge big pile of a country mansion um Mm. and just like this little girl rattling around with all of the kind of archaeological artifacts that her parents have picked up and stuff um and it does I, I think it does successfully draw more of a picture of what kind of childhood someone would have to have to turn into <laughs> Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Um, I, yeah, I think it does it quite nicely. Um, Actually, I, I I remember Croft Mansion quite vividly from mm. Tomb Raider 2. I, mm. think I, I think I was quite struck. Yeah. I think it felt quite unusual at the time to be in a character's house. Right. Like, but do you know what I mean? Like now, we've talked about this before, like video games now are more concerned with building places that are, and people that are more complete unbelievable like they're more it's at least in terms of like big budget like uh main games it's less common to have levels like video mm. game levels mm. you're supposed to be mm. in a in a in a world like a coherent world so yeah going into someone's house i remember being quite striking at the time being quite unusual um spent a lot of time locking the butler in the freezer <laughs> because uh, he would he would follow you around or something I can't remember and you could get him in the freezer and then close the door the walking nice. freezer um, so yeah I mean I think there's something in that though isn't there because Lara Croft feels to me like a very early example of a of a character who is being rendered as a kind of person like Lara Croft was kind of like a superstar she was like she was famous yeah. You know, yeah, um, sure. like she was on the cover of Loaded and stuff like that, like when in the 90s, Absolute Wasteland. But, you know, there was something <laughs> there was something iconic about her. Um, and she was like more of a person like Mario doesn't get a house. Do you know what I mean? Sonic doesn't yeah. have a house. But yeah, but Lara was the first person like they'd run interviews with her and stuff like that. And it, it does yeah. kind of it does kind of make sense that she had a house um, that 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 that. Yeah, she is an early example of that mechanic coming into play as as video game characters start to develop their own psychologies. <laughs> yeah, but 
the um the last example and this is my favorite one this is this is like number two on my list of my favorite video game houses is one that kind of completely doesn't throw any light onto someone's psychology it's the um it's the hideout in hitman blood money um okay now in hitman blood money um you obviously you're you're playing an assassin agent 47 in the hitman games absolutely love this guy he he doesn't the point with agent 47 is he doesn't really have any psychology he's like a he's like a tool he's a clone um he's Mm -hmm. an assassin he dispatches people you know he's he's very methodical um uh, you can say that uh, resourceful um he wears a suit very well but he's not a deep man he's not a complex man um and so um i really resist any attempts to psychologize agent 47 or give him character it's a way that the series went a little bit um for hitman absolution i believe they tried to like give him a motivation and like a right. foster daughter or something. Because we, we touched on that, didn't we, in the, in the close <laughs> episode that we were saying like the reason he's perfectly able to like take these costumes and like embody the role is because he's such a blank, he's, yes. like nothing. that He can just fully assume the symbolic role of the clothes that he's got on. Absolutely. And that's quite thrilling in itself. Like the idea that you have to psychologize everyone is kind of... Y- is 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 wrong it's it's lovely it it feels like a relief to step into agent 47 a lot of the time you know i think many of us feel like we have far too much psychology at any given time (laughs) lovely lovely to just pop into this guy who doesn't give a shit just walks around murdering people all day um and um and yeah so so we don't we don't really want to explore the character too much so so obviously going back to his hideout might be a bit of a problem but the great thing with the hideout in blood money and you don't spend much time there i don't really know why they put it in the game um it's just like a shooting galley a shooting right. gallery um sort of just a concrete block uh, box with like um targets you know on paper whatever they're called mm. uh with them and then there's a set of stairs at one end with um a table with i think one chair on a rug and a and a bird cage with with a bird in it and that's it that's his house like and and it's brilliant like the idea that he gets home after a hard day's murdering doesn't target practice sits and just like glares at the bird for half an hour and goes to bed (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's funny like it's really really lovely it gives you a sense it not a sense of psychology, a sense of the utter lack of it um, that is really, really satisfying and a lovely way to sort of get to know Agent 47. Nice. <laughs> yeah. um, I was curious if you had anything on, because like a couple of people mentioned games that I haven't played, so like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley and stuff like that, which I think you've played. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if they popped into your head while you... Um, they, they kind of did, but I couldn't think of anything to say. I mean, Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley are much more the sense of home as... When I say, oh, my home is Brighton, I think that's Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley. It's like the sense of home as like a community. Um, very, mm-hmm. very nice and, and, and definitely something that feels like really comforting and comfortable, but I didn't have any big thoughts about it. It reminds me a bit of Gilmore Girls. That was my only thought. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. if I if I broaden the question out a bit, right? Right. So if we include also, for example, The Sims, um, Fallout Four, mm-hmm. build your own place, Minecraft, we've already mentioned. So there's loads of games where you can build a house, decorate a house. So 
presumably there's something appealing in this. So, like, what do you think is appealing about it? Is it like, is it because we talked about okay, so homes and games can be an expression of the character. Mm. Like, are you is it the appeal that you're creating an expression of yourself in some way or something like that? I mean, I don't think it is because I think in all of those examples, apart from Minecraft the way that the um the home kind of progresses and looks is almost kind of on tracks it's like there's ways right. of upgrading your home um you can build this extension and then you can you know do this do that but it's not like i guess um animal crossing is very sort of self expression i don't know i think it's more like the idea of like building up a community around yourself and like and 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 ex- and expanding that way is quite appealing. Um, feels quite sort okay. of nice and comforting, particularly in in Fallout Four, where I'm never really sure whether that mechanic fits. I'm never sure how that sits in the world. The idea I that just didn't bother. It's it's kind of like I mean I really did because I always I always build homes and games where it's an option. I always kind of okay. want to do that, but like yeah, it's like it's an op- apocalyptic wasteland, and you like. I guess you would want to build like a homestead or something like that, but it just feels like a different kind of, like you become a different kind of person to the person who's like the wasteland adventurer who's out like doing raids all the time and stuff. And then you're... It didn't feel like it was added. It felt like it was added because they wanted a new thing for Fallout Mm. and like building Mm. stuff is the thing that, and like creating your own stuff is the thing that was popular. Um, It doesn't feel like it was added as like, do you know what I mean? Like... It's been like a, a coherent idea of what Fallout should be and how we should express the themes and stuff like that. Uh, Absolutely, a hundred percent. And it's a way of selling stuff. Like you know, mm. um, it's it's like another way for Bethesda to sell horse armor. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but I think you know because they brought it in in Skyrim as well. The idea to the the um, ability to build your house in the uh, in the Hearthfire um, expansion. Um, and I think at the time. Um, Todd Howard said something about how he'd been playing Minecraft or something and he really wanted something like that in Skyrim. And it's like, you can't have all the things in Skyrim. Like, you know, it, 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 as you say, it there isn't really a sense of coherence to it. Um, it's just like, it's just like this add-on um, mm. uh, and a way to like, I guess, spend resources and stuff like that, um, real life or in game. I think there is something appealing there about stuff like minecraft of being like i would like to have a house uh up there sticking out of that mountain or on this lake and i would like a house that's very i don't know i would like my house to be made out of wood or something like that's what i would like uh do you know what i mean there is an element of kind of some kind of like fancy wish fulfillment or something like that I think. Yeah, I mean, like, houses that I've built in Minecraft, I mean, because a lot of the time if I'm playing Minecraft, I'd be playing, like, me and Dave used to play two-player a lot, um, like, on the on the Xbox, way 360. Um, and we ended up with, like, this amazing compound with, like, and it was, like, a real hodgepodge of styles because I always want things that look like cottages. And Dave would build these, like, giant, perfect, gleaming basalt towers, you know, that were, like, right. rising up from the oceans like a wizard. I think at one point he did, like, um, he built, like, a colossus with a giant golden phallus. <laughs> it was, okay. like, standing out in the bay. And I've got my little witch's cottage. Um, but, yeah, so, obviously, yeah, there's a sense of expression there. Yeah. So here's the, this is another question that came to my mind. Uh, 
yeah, a, a rhetorical question to some degree, I guess. But so, uh, like I say, there's a lot of games where you can build. Uh, you can build or buy your own house in some way. Yeah, like you yeah, said, The Sims and Minecraft and Animal Crossing, etc., etc. Uh, I wonder if it's a coincidence that this is such a popular thing. Um, talking about the kind of fancy aspect of it, uh, in an era where the reality of buying or building your own home is increasingly unobtainable Mm -hmm. at the same time as it's constructed as being like the ultimate goal of like a person who has realized themselves in some way under capitalism like you should own your own like that's the thing you should do like own your own house you know it's become increasingly um yeah difficult for people to do that I just wonder if it's a coincidence that there's so many games that like if that's part of the satisfaction I think that, that you can do that. I think that makes absolutely loads of sense. And I think it also like, yeah, we think about like games like Stardew Valley now and um not Stardew Valley, sorry, um Animal Crossing and like the way lots of people have been spending time, I know, during um lockdowns is by like creating for themselves like this beautiful kind of domestic environment within mm. Animal Crossing. Um, because like you can do that, you know, you can, you can, you can spend time and, and, um, and work towards that. And that maybe feels like something like a a kind of controllable environment that you can kind of create and beautify for yourself. And it's, it's actually quite difficult, um, to be able to do those things in real life, you know, but yeah, you can buy yourself a house in Fallout 4. (laughs) You can afford Mm. that probably. (laughs) But yeah, uh, so yeah, that, that takes me on to like, when we think about what, what like home is mm. so there's lots of games where home is is not represented as we talked about earlier like this feeling um but where home appears as it does uh under capitalism which is as property right yeah so for example the grand theft auto games oh yes where you don't feel like you're so much buying home i think you don't feel like you're buying a home so much you feel like you're acquiring property as a part of like building your wealth yeah it's like part of your Um, portfolio yeah 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 so i think that shows like yeah the different that shows like a yeah contrast in the way that you can think about home and how it can be represented um i think the um villa auditore from assassin's creed 2 kind of straddles the boundaries a bit right because it's like did you play Assassin's Creed 2? I did, yeah, with Ezio, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you remember the the old mansion? Like I the do. Kind of dilapidated? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, so in, in some sense, it's like full of this history and it's very much like a family place. So it has that element of home, but like the, the main way you react, you uh, interact with it is is kind of so you restore it but what you're you're doing is really investing to make it a more productive asset Mm -hmm. so if you Mm. remember the more money you put into it like it starts to produce uh uh value itself like you so yeah it it kind of straddles this boundary where it's got that element of like what you might think of as a home but the way you're encouraged to interact with it is is like you're always thinking about it as an asset. Like yeah. if I can buy this thing next, then I'll, uh, yeah, you know, have this benefit, and it will, yeah. So, yeah, a, a less um, cozy and uh, nice way of viewing home. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense that that's the kind of vibe in um, Grand Theft Auto, doesn't it? Which is a game in which um, I think you talked about this mm-hmm. on an episode of 
uh, Utopian Horizons, um, where your guest kind of brilliantly was talking about it as an example of um, a dystopia where everyone's just like this squawking prick who's like <laughs> walking around just thinking about money all day and shouting at people and being aggressive and horrible. Um, yeah. And and yeah, so it's a, a world in which there there are no homes. There's just assets. Um, uh, yeah, sort of fits really nicely within that. And actually counterposes with, um, of course, the um, Van der Lindkamp in um, Red Dead Redemption, which is a little bit more of a, a, a kind of heartfelt world where people kind of uh, are a little bit more emotional, I guess, than the uh, the Grand Theft Auto series, um, which is actually quite a nice place, like a nice place to return to, a nice vibe, you mm. know, get the guitars playing, your friends are kind of wandering around. Um, so. Yeah, because the the home there is explicitly about like the community and yes. the relationships, like the actual territory of home, like changes over time, and like it's not particularly fixed or important. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That does show the yeah the difference quite nicely. Yeah, the difference between those franchises. I, w- uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, again. We covered this a little bit in our going gone home video, mm-hmm. but I wanted to. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. We talked some some interesting stuff. We touched on there. So, yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned about how like walking sims quite often it's always like homes that you're in. Yes, yes, um, yeah. So, I mean, I had I had some examples about this, but you go on. Yeah. Uh, no, go, no, you go ahead. Come well, on. I just thought it was interesting, isn't it, that the, the, the homes that you're in, in in Walking Sims, and I had three examples that came to mind, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, The Suicide of Rachel Foster, and uh, Gone Home, of course, and mm-hmm. um, that all of them are homes that are somehow unfamiliar to you. Um mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's necessary for the mechanics of the game, I guess. So in, in Suicide of Rachel Foster, uh, the girl grew, uh, your, your main character grew up in a hotel. Um, so there are some areas, you know, that was like her, her family's flat within the hotel, which obviously was like her main home and that she knows mm. very well. But, you know, the, the hotel kind of sprawls out and there's bits she's not familiar with, bits she doesn't know so well. Yeah, and she's been away for a long time as well. And she's been away for a long time, yes. And and then in Edith Finch, as you were saying earlier on, um, that's uh, a bit more of a kind of loosely realistic uh, home um, because it is uh, the members of the Finch family who are... You know, it's like the, the 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 pile, the home of this this old family, and as members of the family die inevitably to uh, a curse, uh, their their rooms are sealed off. So our main character who grew up in that house again never had the free run of the place basically mm. um, until the time of the game when when finally you know everything gets unveiled, and uh, gone home has the most. Um, prosaic i think uh way around this issue of needing a character to be exploring her own home which is that she uh katie greenbrier um your main character she um has been off exploring europe uh mm-hmm. for for a year and uh during that time her family have moved to a new home um it is actually the, the house of a, of a relative who has died so it's it's still the kind of family home but it's new um but yeah all of them finding ways to like sort of make that mechanic work where you're exploring your own home mm. uh, and i i guess it shows you how it's quite easy to like switch that feeling of what home is by simply the fact so like we said, so home is, is partly about a sense of familiarity. Mm. Like as soon as you 
take that away, uh, it starts to feel quite threatening or sinister. So like we talked about this, like gone. Um, Edith Finch, probably less so than the other ones, um, but both of them have uh, um, Gone Home and Suicide of Rachel Foster both at least uh, play with the idea of horror, um, tease that they make you feel uneasy deliberately. Um, so yeah, as soon as you take that familiarity away, then the home becomes something, yeah, much more uh, uneasy place to be in, uh, which is interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that that, um, that idea of um, that lack of familiarity, it was my home, but it wasn't my home. That's a sentiment that I think loads of us probably recognize from dreams. Like, you know, when you're describing a dream to someone and you're like, well, I was so I was in my house, but it wasn't my house. Or like right, I was okay. in the house where I grew up, but it wasn't the house where I grew up because, you know, the house where I grew up didn't have, you know, fucking giant marshmallows <laughs> coming out <laughs> or whatever, whatever it was, was in your dream. But um, but yeah, that that sense of like, you know, that this is a place that's familiar, but it's 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 not. And I think we did talk about this, how um, uh, Freud, uh, his his word for the un- uncanny, um, the term he actually used was unheimlich, which is unhomelike. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that sense of something that should be familiar, but isn't, is like inherently destabilizing and therefore frightening. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that um, Gone Home, Suicide of Rachel Foster both kind of lean into horror and play with horror. Um, and uh, Edith Finch doesn't. But originally it kind of, um, I think early builds of the game did. Um, like there's an early gameplay um, trailer, which um, looks much more like straight horror. Um, and okay. I think you're exploring like a dark house with a flashlight. So so all of them kind of, yeah, sort of veering into this territory because I guess you just can't, maybe you can't avoid it when you're dealing with the familiar, unfamiliar home. Mm. Something that you pointed out as well, which I think was interesting, is that all three of them have uh, secret passages. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think that's a way of, well, I mean, I think the thing is with those games is that they are finding ways to represent family and, um, family secrets, like the ways that you find out about your, your family and, and maybe the best ways of representing that is like exploring this home that was familiar to you, but bits were shut off and then Mm. kind of finally you're in, um, because that sentiment, it was my home, but it wasn't my home. Um, in some ways, that's almost like the way that family is to us. You know, it's like the part of the world that's you, but not you. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the part of, you know, human society that is you in some ways. So it, it, it matters what members of your family do. You know, in, in Suicide of Rachel Foster, there's a point, um, and it's a game that I don't think either of us were like hugely into, but it's very atmospheric. No. Um, mm. And there's a point, um, spoilers, <laughs> um, there's a point where a character is contemplating suicide. Um, and it's because of stuff, it's not because of anything she's done. It's because of stuff that people in her family have done. And you wouldn't, you know, and that, that thing, that thing of like, these are people who you almost have to deal with as part of your own psyche um you know they are they are you but they are not you you wouldn't like kill yourself because or think about killing yourself because of something that your neighbor down the road did but maybe you might think about it for members of your family mm, um yeah. and and you know so so it, it's it's that it's it's that kind of um i think it's those games do really well to tease out family melodrama from the fact that you know that 
I mean, that's where melodrama comes from. That's why loads of soap operas are like about families and stuff like that, because of the part of the world that you, you know, that they are so part of your own soul, but you can't like really control them or know them. <laughs> um, and that can be like a scary uh, thing to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I get, yeah, there's always that, yeah, that idea that the home can potentially hide things as mm. well. Yeah. which ties into that so the secret passages yeah tie nicely into that kind of more sinister idea that home is a, a territory where yeah people can keep things hidden um and yeah i guess uh, okay i i don't can't say much about this because of how i feel about horror but subverting the idea of home is of course like the haunted house is like a massively established genre um oh yeah seventh guest going uh back you know old school right i don't know if you remember that uh, no uh, resident evil 7 more recently there's loads of games as as in every other medium set in haunted houses um so yeah that subverting of home is quite common I think. well yeah i mean we um actually one of our first 15s that's up on the patreon is amnesia a machine for pigs um uh. where you wake up in your character's home he has he has amnesia um as the title of the game might suggest but that i guess that's another way around exploring the uh, exploring mm. the home that's unfamiliar to you um but um but yeah very very much uh, played for much more straight horror um and is a very atmospheric and, and creepy game particularly in its early stages we had a we had one kind of um comment on this actually this kind of yeah ties into the haunted thing but also this idea we talked about like safe places um mm -hmm. where you go to so it's from a uh, rumination um the titular the room from silent hill for the room is interesting because it's a place you keep returning to between levels and seeing how much more fucked up it gets it, it takes something you're used to seeing your apartment and turns it slowly more fucked up as the other worlds start to invade and you can't escape because the doors change shut at the beginning of the game yeah. when you come back it heals you so it's yeah like a like in these other games you know like a, a safe place um but the room eventually also gets haunted and you have to do exorcisms to make it safe again uh, it's also the only area in the game that's first person so I thought that I haven't played that game. I thought that's a great idea of like subverting the idea of home and the and the um the established convention of like the safe room or, or whatever it is. It just sounds absolutely brilliant. Like whenever I hear stuff from Silent Hill, it's always just like, oh, that sounds just bonkers and really creepy and really good. I, I, I've never I've played like the opening of Silent Hill too, and I think I might go back and try and have a proper pop at that series because it just sounds like it's just abounding in fantastic uh fantastic horror ideas okay i love that uh, one more one more thing on on the theme of subversion and i think also uh, uh something which a lot of people would have experienced um night in the woods i don't know if you've played night i in haven't the woods. no uh, okay um so this kind of in a way i guess subverts that nostalgia thing um and and yeah helps and gi gives us a very familiar experience this is a character who drops out of college or, or is, I think they decide to drop out there whether they've come home from college because mm. um, things aren't going very well back into their family home um, they you start every day in the house so it's like again building that idea of home but um, they've been away for a while obviously and they come back and like everything's changed right like they expect like you know they go into their town and the shop that you expect to be there is closed down or right, this yeah. has moved i mean the game's partly about kind of broad uh problems and like uh 
capitalist economy and stuff like this is a former mining town and like the the, the kind of jobs that used to be there have all disappeared and mm. you know they used to have unions and stuff and they've been replaced by service work and uh, this these kind of things but you know this character finds that yeah the town isn't how they remembered it to be the relationships with their friends who are there are slightly different like because they they're a different place in their in their life so that you come home you have this nostalgic thing of coming home and you expect it to be a certain way but then it's not quite the same as it was before yeah like some of your friends might still be there but then the, the character finds that their situations have changed maybe slightly so perhaps it doesn't yeah everything's not quite as it was before yeah they're all so old thought, and sad now well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not yeah not, not quite that far but okay but um but yeah you you, you know what i mean you yeah. i i don't know if you've had that experience of uh like you've been away from home for a while and you go back and you go to the places you go to the pub that you used to yeah. go to but somehow it doesn't feel the same as it used to be so yeah i thought that was um yeah a nice way of looking at nostalgia in a slightly different direction yeah i mean it's that um, phrase isn't it you that you you can't ever go home again um and it's nice that that gets mm. explored i guess within within a game because it's a really fertile um i feel like the new series of twin peaks uh, season three is also like very much um sort of rubbing up against that as you say nostalgia um but kind of um uh, the nostalgia that kind of becomes sort of toxic to itself or something like that. It's a really, it's a really interesting vein to explore, I think. For sure. Um, I have one more question yeah. that I wanted to ask. Uh, we've talked lots about homes. Do you think that, what do you think about the, the, the absence of home? Uh, so for example, if we think about the Witcher mm-hmm. and other travelers, like he does have a home, but it doesn't mean really like he feels like he feels like a rootless person, you know? Yeah, he's know. he's on the road. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think in The Witcher, you know, it 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 definitely is. It feels purposeful um, for for Geralt, you know, that he 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 doesn't really have a home. He doesn't really have somewhere to rest. Um, because because one of the things you can do um, at the end of the game um is you get all sorts there's all sorts of different endings you can have but one it sort of describes Geralt kind of settling down and 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 that feels like slightly odd to me um that feels like that that doesn't really fit with you know you expect kind of a a witch to die with his boots on really um and then other other characters yeah I mean I thought I did think of Mario the fact that he hasn't got a home (laughs) um you know and I do I felt a little bit sorry for him because maybe he I think he probably just sort of shacks up with Peach you know he just sort of goes back and stays there (laughs) yeah and probably brings Luigi as well bloody hell absolute nightmare uh, I don't think he doesn't seem like a person to be particularly troubled by not having a home. I, Mario, I mean, he seems like he's just okay with whatever's going on. Mario is a honest. very, a very straightforward, happy kind of man. Um, yeah. yeah, not there's not huge depths there. I don't think um, Luigi more so. I would say, but Luigi's got his um, mansion, so <laughs> he's yeah. alright. Uh, yeah, works nicely for Garrett though. I guess in that, yeah, that I he's supposed to feel. It's supposed to kind of be a bit disconnected yes. from everything, like yeah. from society at large, and to feel rootless. So the fact that he doesn't have a a home and he's like a traveller kind of makes sense. Um, although I have to say, it doesn't feel unhomely. It feels quite romantic, and 
still feels kind of cozy to be this traveler like making their way around and staying at different places i think that's really true it's a difficult thing to um describe but yeah it's it's like that sense mm. that it, it fits with Geralt somehow it's kind of part of his vibe um mm. i was gonna say if anything it just makes me love him more and i don't really know what i mean by that but yeah this this kind of rootlessness um this place you know this um restlessness you know, this inability to sort of lay down roots. It does feel kind of romantic. He feels like a cowboy, you know. I think that's that's kind of how Geralt feels. Um, mm. And so, uh, yeah, so there's there's something nice about it with him. Mm. Cool. Well, I've got I've got nothing else. Have you got anything? I've else got absolutely nothing else. No, that's that's home. Absolutely exhausted as far as ideas that I had. Okay, well, let's, uh, I've got a, a couple of suggestions that we, we got sent in. So, um, as always, I've got lots, so I can't go through all of them, but I'll just uh, touch on a couple. Um, Jay from Nowhere mentioned, said, uh, your base in uh, Sukaden 1 and 2, that starts off mostly empty and decrepit. But as you recruit more people, it fills out and feels more and more like a full community. Love it. Uh, I feel like there's lots of games that have something like that, but I couldn't. I was struggling. I mean, the Souls games have something like that, you know. Um, Like uh, in Bloodborne, um, there's a there's a chapel, Erden Chapel, uh, which you can sort of fill out. Um, uh, But yeah, I think you're right. I think there are lots of games that do do a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, We also had. um, Cheshire Gleam, who said, "There's also." emergent homes in a sense Ooh. they put a question mark on that so i think they're, they're unsure about their own concept let's, let's love it no let's go with, go with it uh, yeah let's go with it uh world of warcraft has given players home bases in multiple expansions but but has for whatever reason resisted making those like actual houses with places to sleep that said for a large portion of the legion expansion i made the druid order hall my home though that order hall Though that order hall actually contains a house for the player character, I tended to instead log out beneath the statue of Marlone or in some outdoor environment that suited whatever form I was logging out in. This is because I'm a huge dork. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, home, I guess homes that are not... I think, unless I misunderstand them, they're talking about homes which are not explicitly intended to, to be homes, mm. which, which you kind of connect to in some way and think of as your character's home yeah um, yeah developing that sense of yourself um I, I i the place where i am currently um calling in from balmora in morrowind i i have that feeling for actually that like my character like definitely like my main character when i played morrowind the first time that was definitely like where she felt most at home um and and i would do a similar thing it's like i would if i needed to like rest or refuel i would always like prefer to go back to Balmora than anywhere else because that's like where mm. she she really wanted to go mm. uh just one more uh from sergio dragon age 2 has an actual home that serves as an indicator of the main character's social status in kirkwall and fills up with stuff as the game goes on yeah um we didn't really touch on like home as like a status symbol or something like that but i guess that kind of um, fits into that in some way yeah it does um yeah you have it in Kirkwall you have it in um I don't think you have it in Dragon Age Origins but you definitely have it in um Inquisition as well actually like where you're like some 
big muckety muck important kind of political figure and you have like this like huge mountain fortress um that you can kind of upgrade and stuff like that it absolutely does it absolutely does lend to the kind of yeah the stature of of the role i think we talked about this with um cities as well like the idea of uh, vivek in morrowind um and how he basically lives in a city that is named for him um, and mm. it makes the character bigger. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it lends that sense to it. Mm. Cool. Okay. Well, that's uh, home, everybody. That's home. Welcome home. Welcome back. Hope you've enjoyed uh, Get Object. Lovely to be back with you guys. Yeah. So uh, if you have any feedback on this episode, if you have any comments um, or previous episodes, whatever, as we mentioned up top, getobjectpod at gmail.com. Uh, get object pod on twitter if you want to see us talking about this in a video form or you want to watch the video various videos we mentioned during this uh, episode if you want to hear uh, our game club where me and rosie pick games for each other to play that the other person's never played before then go to patreon.com slash get object and you can uh, get get access to all that stuff there um so next time we're going to be talking about consoles it's consoles a lovely suggestion um from stella thank you very much stella and uh yeah looking forward to it we're all gonna be you know getting our doritos out and uh settling in this is gonna be quite a different episode i feel do you think so no i don't know i haven't started thinking about it yet but um yeah i don't know it it, it feels like it's gonna be different to me i don't know it's the first time i mean it's like a yeah oh, it's the first time we're going to be dealing with hardware um which i yeah. think is is interesting in itself and um and like consoles aren't like stories <laughs> or are no. they i guess we'll, well find out <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> um yeah so that's us uh for now uh we hope you will join us next time for a discussion of consoles um but thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye